Amen. Would you join me in a Bible in Revelation chapter 4? Revelation 4 and 5 is going to be our text for this morning. We will take one diversion to the Old Testament book of Psalms, but for the bulk of our time, we will be in Revelation 4 and 5. I invite you to join me in a Bible there as we continue to worship this holy and awesome God. Thank you for being here this morning. You're an encouragement to me. Thank you for singing the way that you have. Thank you for the good prayer, Dylan, that you've offered this morning. Stuart, the way that you've led us in our observance of the Lord's Supper. It has been good for me to be with you. I'm glad to be home with you this morning. I was blessed to spend this past week in Worcester, Ohio. I was telling someone earlier that when we moved to Northeast Ohio more than 25 years ago, I made the mistake one time of referencing Worcester, and they were like, no, 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 it's Worcester. And so I have done my best to remember that, especially this past week. But it was my joy and privilege to assemble with about 45 saints there in Northeast Ohio. I was blessed to spend some time with an old friend. His name is Matt, Matt DeVore. Matt has worked for many, many, many years for Ohio State University. But about a year and a half ago, he saw a very real need where he lives there in Worcester. And he has devoted himself not just to working full-time still for Ohio State, but preaching for them. And Matt's dad was a preacher. His dad passed away just a couple of years ago. And it was very sobering for me when he, he told me Tuesday there were lots of things that he wished he could ask his dad at this point about this work. And he wanted to know if we could spend the next few days talking about that. And so it made for a very, very busy week, but I feel like looking back a significant Part of the, the way that I was blessed to serve this past week was not just assembling with the church there, but trying to encourage my friend Matt. And could I humbly ask you this week, if you would, to pray for my friend Matt as he is doing his best to proclaim the good news there in Northeast Ohio. I'm thankful to be home with you this morning. Where does a prayer end? You ever thought about that before? Where did the prayer that Dylan led us in this morning, where did that go? Where did it end? The prayers that Stuart led us in just a few moments ago, Were those just spoken within this room and they hit the roof and that's as far as they went? When you pray, is there anything more going on than you just speaking into the void? Talking into a vacuum. Is is there nothing really more going on than 
thoughts in your own skull? Or do they go further than that? And if so, how? And where do they end? It's good to know where things end. If you go on a hike this fall, most of us would like to know, well, before I start, I I see where the hike is beginning, where is the hike going to end? Or I, I hear that it is time for a dental appointment or a, a doctor's procedure. Okay, you, you can convince me that this is necessary, but to what end? I, I love baseball, and I love when baseball goes into extra innings because that just means more baseball but Shelly my wife very much likes it when a baseball game she's sitting with me through ends after 27 out she's not nearly as excited about extra innings as I am and she'll even ask every once it is just nine innings right we like to know when things are going to end where they end I'd like to use Revelation 4 and 5. In fact, if you're following along with our daily Bible reading schedule, this this is where you will be tomorrow and, Lord willing, Tuesday. And there are many things that we can draw out of this. I'd I'd really like to, to look at it through the lens of where do prayers end? And I want to use Revelation 4 and 5 to try and get you to imagine this scene the next time you pray. I don't know what you envision when you pray. If if it is simply dark in your imagination because you have your eyes closed or you're envisioning clouds or, or, or something else, but... Could I recommend Revelation 4 and 5 as a scene to imagine? Not in the sense of a fairy tale or or mythology in any way. I've never been to the Grand Canyon. I've I've never been to Yosemite. But I, I have seen plenty of pictures that help me imagine what it would be like to be here. Could I encourage you to think even about the songs we have sung together this morning as a way of helping you imagine. The throne room of God. And before we start reading Revelation 4, could I just add that what we are about to read is so much more important than last night's college football scores. And what we are about to read is so much more significant than who wins the presidential election next year. What we are about to read is so much more weighty than anything you are ever able to experience 
for the rest of your brief time on this earth. And I know that in part because of how many times we read this word. I'd encourage you to be on the lookout for this word. We see it two dozen times in the last book of the Bible. We see it more than a thousand times from Genesis to Revelation. It is as if our Creator is saying, listen, this is important. I have something to show you that is worth your undivided attention. Where does a prayer end? Let's begin by reading Revelation chapter 4 verse 1 where John is led by the Holy Spirit of God to say, after this I looked and behold, this is important, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I had heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the Spirit and behold. John says, I have to share with you what was shared with me. I have to show you what I saw. And so I'm encouraging you, John says, to imagine what I saw. Behold, a throne stood in heaven. And so I really encourage you to set aside whatever it is that has occupied your mind leading up to this morning, whatever you are anticipating after this morning, and use your God-given imagination the way John is inviting us to. Envision in heaven a throne. And this throne is not empty. Latter part of verse 2. There's one seated on the throne. And he who sat there had the appearance of jasper and carnelian. That, that, that doesn't mean a whole lot to us until we realize, well, that both Jasper and Carnelian have a, a very distinctive reddish, brownish, brilliant look, especially when they are polished. And that is what John is groping for. It's, it's like this. You know, Jasper and Carnelian. Well, this throne is occupied and there is a spectacular one on this throne. But he's not like us. He's, he's not made of flesh and blood. He had the appearance of Jasper and carnelian and then john is going to say listen i i have to tell you all about it's very clear this throne is the focal point of everything and so there are things coming from this throne and there are things before this throne and there are things all around this throne Get the throne as the center point in your mind. And then imagine, beginning of verse 5, 
from the throne came. From it. It is the source of flashes of lightning. You know what that's like. On a dark night, your eyes are, are fully adjusted as much as they physically can to the dark. And then suddenly a brilliant white light streaks jaggedly across the sky. There are flashes of lightning coming from this throne, rumblings. You know what that sounds like. You know what it is to feel in your body the rumblings of thunder. Peals of thunder that are coming from this throne. John says, I I'm not done. Let me tell you what's before, what's in front of this throne. Latter part of verse 4. Or five. Before the throne were burning seven torches of fire. Picture this in your mind. A throne in heaven. A throne occupied by a spectacular being. From the throne coming flashes of light and, and rumblings of thunder. And in front of the throne seven burning torches, torches of fire, which are the seven spirits of God. And verse 6, before the throne there was, as it were, a sea. Not a puddle, not a pond, not a lake, but a sea in front of this throne. And not a sea like you and I can relate to. A sea of glass. Like crystal. John says, I, I'm not done. That's not all that I saw. And so imagine with me a throne in heaven and a spectacular one on this throne and flashes of lightning coming from it and seven burning torches in front of it and a sea of glass stretched out before it. Now John says, let me tell you what I saw around the throne. Look back up, latter part of verse 3. Around the throne was a rainbow that had the appearance of an emerald. I've seen some beautiful rainbows, but I've never seen a rainbow with the appearance of an emerald. This is otherworldly. That this emerald rainbow is all around the throne. And then John says, I I'm not done. In verse 4, around the throne are 24 thrones. And those also are occupied. Seated on those thrones are 24 elders. They're, they're clothed in white garments with golden crowns on their heads. And if all of that is tough to envision, John, it's as if he says, well, buckle up, because I haven't even gotten to the strangest, most spectacular part of what's going on around this throne. Look at the latter part of verse 6. Around the throne on each side of the throne are four living creatures. 
these creatures are full of eyes in front and behind. The first living creature like a lion, the second living creature like an ox, the third living creature with the face of a man, and the fourth living creature like an eagle in flight. And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all around and within, and day and night, they never cease to say. Whatever you did this past week, there was a time when it ceased for a while, right? You may be anticipating a, a long week ahead full of a lot of work, but you know as difficult, as challenging, perhaps as Monday, you're anticipating it being come four, five, six, seven o'clock, whatever it is for you, that the time for work is going to cease. And, and it's going to have to cease because you can only work so long. Your body can only be awake so long. Whatever it is that you try and do to keep your body awake, there's going to come a time when your conscious awareness has to cease or you're going to wear yourself out. Not these living creatures. These four living creatures around the throne never wear out. They never take a nap. They never take a day off. It never ceases as they continue to say, latter part of verse 8, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. You see, that's where those words, even that we have sung together this morning, come from. There are four living creatures around this throne in heaven who never stop saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And John says, I, I, I'm not done yet. In verse 9, Whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to Him, the spectacular one who is seated on this throne, the one who lives forever and ever, whenever they do that, and they're always doing that, the 24 elders fall down before Him who is seated on the throne and they worship Him who lives forever and ever. Those 24 elders cast their crowns before the throne saying, Worthy are You, our Lord, our God, to receive glory and honor and power for You created all things and by Your will they exist. Can you get that scene in your mind? A throne in heaven occupied by a truly spectacular one. 
From the throne are coming flashes of lightning. Before the throne are seven burning torches and a sea of glass. Around the throne is an emerald rainbow. Around the throne are 24 elders constantly taking off their crowns and praising this one who has always been, who perfectly is, who always will be. Four strangely awesome living creatures. We throw, I throw around that word much too often. This is awesome. When we use awesome to describe everything between this and and pepperoni pizza, maybe we need to adjust our, our use of the word awesome. This is awesome. But it begs a question. And here's where I need to take the one detour with you to the Old Testament book of Psalms. Psalm 24. Because as Revelation 5 opens, the question is, okay, this is awesome. And the one on this throne is awesome. Holy on top of holy on top of holy Who like me could possibly enter this throne room and expect to have the attention of this king? Who like me is worthy to sing anything to this king? Well, about a thousand years before what John is being shown, David pondered that question. We have it as Psalm 24. In verse 1, this is very much Revelation 4. The earth is Yahweh's. The earth is I am's. Everything that fills the earth, the Lord's. The world, those who dwell in it, the Lord's. He's founded it upon the seas. He's established it upon the rivers. Who can ascend the hill of the Lord? Who can stand in His holy place? And there's only one answer, correct answer, to that question. He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to what is false, who does not swear deceitfully. That person who has always kept their hands clean, always kept their heart pure, never lifted up their souls to what is not true, never used their hearts or their mouths to act like that ancient deceiver in Genesis chapter 3. That's the one who is worthy to come into this throne room. That, That person will receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. In fact, such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek the face of the God of Jacob. There's just one problem. Even the author of Psalm 24 sometimes used his hands in unclean ways. 
gave his heart over to impure things. And lifted up his soul to what is false. <laughs> it is an awesome thing to come before the God of the universe, but, but who can do that? that? That's the question a thousand years before Revelation 4 and 5. And then for some reason in Psalm 24, David is moved by the Holy Spirit of God to talk about a, a king that is approaching. Even as human beings are, are, are wrapping our minds around, well, who could possibly be worthy to go into the holy place of the Lord? For some reason, in verse 7, the, the gates are addressed. The gatekeepers are called. Lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors. Why? Why do you open the gates? Because the king is coming. Not just any king, but the, the king of glory. Well, who is this king of glory that is approaching in the wake of this distressing question? It is Yahweh. I am. The Lord is approaching. Strong and mighty. Mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O gates, and, and lift them up, O ancient doors. Why? Because as the king approaches, the gate needs to open. And just to make sure we get it, he asks again, Who is this king? Yahweh of hosts. The king of all kings who has the greatest army imaginable. He is the king of glory. So let's go back to our scene in Revelation chapter 5. Revelation 4, the earth is the Lord's. He is awesome. He is holy upon holy upon holy. Who can approach him? Only someone with clean hands and a pure heart, but... Does that mean all is lost? Because we all sin and fall short of the glory of God. Revelation 5 verse 1, Then I saw in the right hand of this spectacular one on the throne. He's holding a scroll written within and on the back, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? And no one, hear this this morning, no one, no one in heaven, no one on earth, no one under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look into it. And John says, I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. And one of the elders said to me, weep no more. <laughs> that, that, that elder stops taking off his crown and, and constantly putting it before the spectacular one on the throne. And what does he tell John? Behold, wipe the tears from your eyes. You don't want to miss this.
Behold the lion of the tribe of Judah. Someone from that human line of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Now, now the royal tribe of Judah. And he's spoken of as a, a lion, but not just a lion, but as the, the root of David. That David lived a thousand years ago. He's where David came from. John says in verse 6, between the throne. And the four living creatures. So right there, in the middle of it all, among the elders I saw a lamb. Standing. As though it had been slain. A slain lamb that is standing. With seven horns and with seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent out into all the earth. And he went, the lamb, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, he goes, he approaches the throne and he takes the scroll from the right hand of the spectacular one on that throne. And I want you to notice what happens when he does. Look down at verse 11. Then I looked and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders the voice of many angels. What are we talking about? We're talking about ten thousands times ten thousands. We're talking myriads of myriads. Thousands of thousands, you do a little bit of math, we're talking not one, not two, not ten, not a hundred, not a thousand. I want you to add to your mental picture of this throne in heaven all around it, hundreds of millions of angels. Can you imagine what they sound like as they say with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. The one who's standing there. The one who could approach and take that scroll out of the spectacular one's hand. Worthy is the Lamb to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And then John says, it's as if I heard all of creation Joining this song, verse 13, I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying, to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped. You have that scene in your mind? A throne in heaven occupied by a spectacular one, surrounded by hundreds of millions of angels, four awesome living creatures, 24 elders constantly casting their allegiance before Him. This incredible scene. There's just one more element that we haven't noticed. And it is the answer to. Where does a prayer end? 
I want you to read with me Revelation chapter 5, verse 9. How these living creatures and 24 elders fall down before the Lamb. They're singing a new song saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you, the Lamb provided by God, you were slain. And by your blood, you ransomed people. It's the first time other than John that a human being shows up in this scene. You know what those people had? Unclean hands. Impure hearts. Souls that had been lifted up to what was false. Hearts and mouths that had been lent to the deceiver rather than the creator. But because this lamb is right there in the middle of this scene, and this lamb shed his blood, his blood was sufficient to ransom impure, unclean people for God. They belong to God. They come from every tribe, language, people, and nation. They're made a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. We still just have that one question. Where does a prayer end? Look with me at chapter 5, verse 8. When he'd taken the scroll, that Lamb of God, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. Just to make sure we get it, in Revelation chapter 8, the scene returns revelation chapter 8 and verse 1 when the lamb opened the seventh seal there was silence in heaven for about half an hour then i saw the angels who stand before god and seven trumpets were given to them and another angel came and stood at the altar picture in this scene now an altar right there in front of that throne. And another angel comes with a golden censer and he's given much incense to offer on that prayer or on that altar with the prayers of all the saints on the golden altar before the throne. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints Why did Dylan pray like he did? A sweet-smelling aroma coming before God. Well, here it is. The smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints rose before God from the hand of the angel. What do you imagine when you pray? Could I encourage you to join so many of us tomorrow in Revelation 4 and Tuesday in Revelation 5 and allow this scene to become what you imagine? 
that prayer goes far beyond my skull, far beyond this roof, far outside of the walls of this building. Prayer's not psyching myself out. Prayer's not talking into the void or the vacuum. The prayers of saints land right there in that scene. That's why the writer of Hebrews in Hebrews chapter 4 says, listen, this is the truth that God has shown us. And if that's true, if we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, the lamb of God, the very son of God, listen, let us. Let's hold fast our confession. We don't have a high priest who's unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. In every respect, he was tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then, with confidence, draw near to the throne. Because he's right there beside it, it's a throne of grace. And because we've been washed clean in His blood, we can receive mercy and find grace to help from the most awesome spot imaginable. Even when we have needs. Small or big as they are. That's why we sang this morning, we'll gather soon where angels sing. We'll see the glory of our Lord and coming King. And, and we want to make sure that you are able to sing that and mean that. And the way that is possible is if you will behold. I told you two dozen times this word is used all over Revelation. Revelation 1, Jesus says, Behold, I have the keys of death and the grave. Revelation 3, Behold, I stand at the door. And knock. Revelation chapter 21. Behold, I am making all things new. Revelation 22. Behold, I am coming soon. I wonder if there's something we can do to help you be ready to stand before this throne. The blood has already been shed that is necessary to wash away sins. When people came face to face that this Jesus had been made by God the Father, both Lord and Christ, and they asked, what shall we do? They were told, you got to turn away from sin, and you need to be buried with Him in baptism, baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. You become a part of His kingdom. Unclean hands, impure hearts begin to be transformed. Do you need to take that step this morning? Maybe you did that a good long time ago. But you could really, really, really use prayers this morning. Understand that if you give us that opportunity to pray with you and for you, those prayers aren't just echoing around this room. They land before the throne of God above. 
why wouldn't we pray this week? If we can pray for you this morning, if we can be of any help in any way, would you let us know how by coming to the front while we stand and sing together?